Welcome back, all you Wave On fans, water lovers, paddleboarders across the the world now tuning in. We're building a connection here of suppers. And uh, episode 31, thanks for tuning in. And this is my uh, episode here that I'm interviewed on my own show. And how how cool is that? I'm pretty fortunate to get that um that kind of activity and I just want to acknowledge all the support that I have been receiving lately uh, just words of encouragement uh, even from just bystanders whether they love what they're seeing or just spreading the word about Luna Moon sup and uh, you know a lot of newbies coming out for classes which uh, they're just getting confident with their paddles and I love seeing it I love being part of that moment I even had a student feature on the blog so lunamoonshpyoga.com go there you can also see the classes and reserve we have uh, some events coming up July 25th is board board bar and brunch we had one already in July and it went amazing such an awesome group of women that came out and uh, we get brunch this time with jelly jams and August 23rd and or August 2nd and the third uh, girls sup camp so that's new for Luna Moon and we hope to keep um, expanding that and um, getting girls confident on the water learning water safety and about the paddleboard and uh, just learning from one another as um as a support group so um i'm happy to uh have that event actually and um pop-up class this sunday 7 18 11 15 we've had a little bit of weather come through so i'm adding some more onto the calendar i will do that as i see it fits on the calendar especially with the weather so we'll keep our eye on that one but thanks again for tuning in i hope you enjoy hearing all about uh, my history and how i became a a owner of Luna Moon and a teacher. Of course, I have always got Luna by my side, and uh, I, I hope you enjoy this one. But thank, thanks again. Awesome. So this is a Friday before the holiday. Yep. And you want to interview me? Yeah, I do. I do. I think a lot of people want me to interview you. Not Ooh. me, but they want to hear you interviewed. So interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. I, and it's because I always find everyone else so interesting. Well, um, yeah, I think so. I, I mean, and so it's a fair question. Like why, who am I and why am I here? Why are you here? Well, all right. So to take a step back. So my wife, Donna and I are neighbors and friends of yours and Jeremy's. Um, I restore vintage Triumph motorcycles. Your husband restores vintage Chris Craft boats. Right. We struck up a friendship on that basis. Definitely. And we've all kind of watched your brand as you've launched it, and it's been growing uh, with tremendous admiration and appreciation for what you do in this community, right? Thank you. And you and I have something in common, actually, which is that I took a sabbatical from my corporate career to build my brand, uh, Jack Pine Cycle. And so Mm -hmm. I know what kind of uh, hard work and passion and tenacity it takes to build a brand exactly like that, which you're pouring into Luna Moon. So yeah, it's true. And so as this whole community has watched you build that brand and come to admire everything you're doing, um, and and as people have tuned into your podcast and they've heard you talk to some really wonderful, interesting people, mm-hmm. uh, I think your listeners are really curious to know more about you, Misty Markham, uh, more about the person that's behind the brand and more about kind of what, what drives you. So you and I kind of hatched this idea (laughs) to do an episode of wave on where you are the one being interviewed and I volunteered to do the interviewing and you graciously accepted and here we are. Yeah, you're right. Episode 31. I, and I, I didn't have to bribe you. You were kind of like all over it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, this is a very interesting, um, I guess, way of, of doing this and because you've read or I have read about how you're the host and you interview people and it's like how you throw out little tidbits here and there on yourself. Uh, sometimes you could take a break, though, and and make the hour about yourself as well. So yeah. I yeah. guess this is the opportune time. Absolutely. <laughs> and and by the way, I'm not I'm a newbie. I was just on the board for the first time this week, thanks to you. Yeah, right. And I didn't fall in. and Didn't uh, fall in. I love it. And so I'm that that qualifies me, I guess, to be interviewing you. So There you go. Yeah, you became a paddleboard, a paddleboard lover overnight. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, That's awesome. So here's what I, I, I want to kind of start with. Um, 
You know, in your podcast with the Evolve Paddleboards owner, Ron Gossard, yeah. you talked about your childhood a little bit, or you talked about Virginia Beach, mm-hmm. and I was curious as to, like, when when did you discover this love, this connection to the water? Like, what, what was that moment for you? Can you take us back to that and, and kind of tell the story about that? Well, really, because we are in the Great Lakes, we have a lot of lakes around us and water, so... I think I've always been drawn to the water. Um, we would go up north in the UP, Upper Peninsula. My dad would want to spend his full, like, two weeks as, you know, a GM employee to have his uh, shutdown, like, up north, away from Detroit. <laughs> far, far away from Detroit. Right. And uh, just to have peace and quiet. And there is this um, really unique lake right in the middle of the um, Upper Peninsula. It's actually in Curtis, Michigan. So I loved the water. I stayed by the water. We had a dog that was actually a, um, half of a husky and half something else. He was actually a rescue. Yeah. And he liked the water. So there's tons of pictures of me by these kind of like janky half-made uh, boats boat <laughs> or boat docks with like the using the old rubber tire as the bumper right type yeah. of scene and yeah. the dog you know walking around and me just you know parading around uh, at, at the water uh, Virginia Beach came came around much later in my life more like uh, probably 12 year 12 13 something like that I say and so I already had a ton of water experience. And, and I mind you that every time that we would go up north, I'm like, man, I wish this lake was bigger. I wish it was the ocean. I wish we could see a whale, you know, and all these other things that we're not. Yeah, we have fresh water, but we're not really by any of the like actual big waves and ocean stuff. And so you were you were a swimmer. Yeah. You loved being in the water. You were on boats. You went yeah. fishing with your dad. Yeah. And then do you remember when you were first in Virginia Beach and you first, you know, Got your first mouthful of salt water and experienced yeah, that? Yeah, pretty much. That was, you know, my dad was originally from Virginia. So that swing home, they made sure they they got a hotel on the water, oceanfront, and balcony and all. So And it had, I guess we had to have a pool too, but maybe not when we were in Virginia Beach. Yeah. But definitely other places when we travel, it was like, this kid needs a pool. We're going on vacation where you're making making sure that hotel has a pool. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I had swimming lessons too as a kid. Yeah. So it definitely knew how to swim, you know, in the, um, the in-ground pool, like at the Y or something. Mm-hmm. But the boogie board was the ultimate experience and just like... I would not stop talking about that. Yeah. That was the closest thing that I could get to surfing. Yeah. And I didn't know what a paddleboard was then. Of course not. Did uh, it exist then? Was there? Th- I'm sure. Oh, you know, yeah. But yeah, for de- definitely. But more or less like in Hawaii or something. And right. I mean, possibly California at that point. But uh, here, no, not not really. Got and it. I don't I don't recall seeing it in Virginia Beach then. But the boogie board, the foam boogie board things were like popular. Right. And I stayed in the water. That's all I did. Yeah. And rash guards was not a thing then either. Mm -hmm. So I (laughs) I was like scarred on, you know, my belly from the sand and the boogie board, like just, you know, repetitive over and over and over. Yeah. So were you like fearless? How far would you go? Would you go out further than, uh? anybody was comfortable with no i don't remember really doing anything like that i think i still knew how to stay in my means like uh, you know i'm not going to venture way off into the distance and just be totally unmindful of where i was and yeah you know not turning your back on the ocean type of scenario you know when you talk about big water like that versus a, a little lake there's more to pay attention to that yeah. You should be cautious. So I think that was a kind of instilled in me. I mean, no one, no one made me fear it. That's for sure. But you know, well, I think it's funny. I think people from the Midwest and Michigan specifically yeah. ha- are born and bred with this connection to the water. That is exactly that sort of innate. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I was a kid, it was either the inland lakes here. I grew up, I learned to swim on Orchard Lake and Sylvan Lake. Sure. And then we'd go to Florida and uh, swim in the ocean. And that was, 
I did the boogie board thing too. And yeah, when we've lived in, um, I lived in Boulder for a period yeah, and it felt very constricting after a while because there, there really is no water to speak yes. of other than maybe a reservoir or the mountain rivers and streams, mm-hmm. which is wonderful. But, um, that, that landlocked feeling for, I think people who grow up here, yeah, it feels like you're, you know, kind of in a straitjacket jacket or something. I think that's kind of why it's kind of hard to even call Michigan Midwest mm. because we lived in Iowa and that was also landlocked, and I lasted there eight months. Oh, really? Yeah. For that same reason, did you have that feeling when you were there? Yeah. yeah. Even though the Mississippi River was right there, that river was more disgusting than the Detroit River. If you ever thought like, oh wow, I'll never go in the Detroit River, right? Wait till you see the Mississippi River. Yeah. And then they had a man-made lake that was outside of Cedar Rapids, I think. And people was dying to go there. So there would be a line to get in this park. And, of course, they limited how many people could go in. So you had to get there early. Yeah. So you were yeah. a water baby. So Yeah. Did it, and what do you remember? I mean, what was that feeling like of, of running to that water when you arrived at the beach for the first time? Or, you know, did uh, was it a feeling of, Peace and serenity or freedom and fun or just all of the above? I think probably all of the above. I I never had much fear of things or stuff. I don't, I mean, I I don't know. I hear people talk about, oh, there's snakes in the lake. And I'm not going to say there's not. I would (laughs) say maybe one. I don't know if there's a lot of them, but I don't like snakes either, but... It didn't, I guess that wasn't enough fear for me to keep me out of the water. You still have a connection to Virginia Beach? You still get out to the East Coast? No, not really. I lived in Delaware and I liked that also because of all the water it was surrounded by, you know, that whole coastline there. I mean, even though it's a small state, right? uh, plenty of uh, seeing crab fishing and I just, I, I just liked seeing all of that. You know, I can remember going down to the beach after work and watching kite boarders and that was super interesting to me but i knew it was super challenging too so that would be that would be something to still take lessons on because i still haven't done it no (laughs) no i'll bet you would though right yeah i would i wouldn't mind you know trying it of course i mean even though that's been a while now but how long were you in delaware almost five years really Mm -hmm. what was your life like there well, I, it was my first job that brought me there out of college. Uh, it was also during the whole recession. So to get away from Detroit at the time of 08, you know, 09 was, um, well, it's not something I really wanted to do, but it, it is what it is. And I got to explore and see other things and just the way another state is being, it runs there even their secretary of state, it's more of the DMV and just, you know, all of those experiences trying to live there. Yep. And then being by the oceans were amazing. Yeah. You know, it's nice, fun adventure weekend. There was the janky uh, Chesapeake Bay Bridge. (laughs) Yeah, I've been over it. I would fly out of Baltimore. So I would drive over that bridge a lot and yeah, to get to the Baltimore airport to fly home. You still have friends there, I take it. A few, you know, a lot of the, a lot of them have moved on too. Yeah, yeah. So it's definitely not the same, and it, it's always it's one of those that anybody could say, yeah, it was just that period of time where you met these friends and did these type of things, and mm-hmm. you know, it's in the past. So see, that's interesting to me because I think you know what. Um, now I've lived in Boston, and I have wonderful friends still in Boston. And I see a tie between kind of that East Coast, um, uh, a hard stock of, of, of hardworking, good-hearted, uh, strong-willed people and the people from here in the Detroit area. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's some kind of tie that binds us to, to that, those areas and that people. Yeah. And um, I think it reflects on you because I guess what I'm getting at is you have, for, for you to pick up and move to Delaware takes a certain um, individualism, a certain strength, um, a gumption that a lot of people don't have. Mm-hmm. And I think that is kind of the underlying theme to who you are and what drives you as you're building your brand. Yeah. So. Yeah. 
Yeah, I just drove my little S10 down there and it was all covered in salt by the time I made it through like Pennsylvania, Ohio, Pennsylvania, yeah. and part of Maryland. And all of a sudden it like opened up and, I'm, and it was January when I moved there. Right. And then I went to the beach. I found, I you know, I, I kind of settled in a little bit, but then I wanted to get right in and explore. And I could remember someone telling me, yeah, if you just take this road and go south, there's the beaches. Right. I was like, what? Yeah. It's January. And then I went and I'm standing there and I couldn't believe it. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's like not many people there, obviously, just a few just kind of hanging out and stuff. But uh, I had my bike and there was a park across from my apartment. And that's what I can remember the most was that I had the smallest apartment in the complex. <laughs> I'm saying like this probably could have been a closet, (laughs) but it had a nice balcony that overlooked the park across the way. And there was, um, there was some water there. And I remember riding my bike over there too and thinking, wow, I'm doing this in January. This is kind of nice. Yeah. Yeah. So what kind of water sports were you involved in out there then? Not much of anything. I had a kayak that I used a few times, but it was so big and I, yeah, I just didn't didn't do a whole lot other than I just went to the beach. I had another husky at the time, and she would come with me, and I literally just bought what I needed for her to feel comfortable, like a beach umbrella. But it was the tiniest beach umbrella ever. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone else was carrying like all these goodies to the beach and a big giant cart, and right. I just bought like a little tiny cart from I don't know Walmart <laughs> and the tiny little umbrella with. <laughs> But you had a kayak. Did that come with you from Michigan out there? It did. Yeah. Yeah, it did. It was a two person that turned into a one person kayak. And actually the dog could fit in there, but I just didn't know. I didn't know enough or what to do, you know, and couldn't, couldn't really use it that much. So, yeah. yeah. So, Hmm. yeah, I was more of an observer. (laughs) So you told me that you mentioned at one point there were other things in your youth. You used to do figure skating. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was a competitive uh, figure skater that took up a lot of my time as well as a dancer, like a point ballerina dancer. Really? Mm-hmm. Did you travel around? You were in competitions? For you were... skating, yeah. Really? Yeah. Ballet was just that I was in, I finally had landed in a studio mm-hmm. where uh, it was taken a little more seriously. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, like I said, I was on point. So I started point as probably a 12 year old and it's ironic because my one of my friends just came out for uh the the boards bar and brunch event Mm -hmm. and she's just been seeing my posts and stuff and really wanted to come out so it was the first time she came out it's the first time i've seen her in a really long time yeah but she was a competitive skater and we just kind of got to talking a little bit with another girl and she was like yeah well usually figure skaters ankles are really not that strong because the boot is super like stable Mm -hmm. and so you it's almost like you kind of take it for granted but i and i was like well i don't think i had that problem because i was a ballerina and so when i would go on point you have to have the ankle strength and she's like oh yeah totally oh that's interesting yeah because they try to cross over the two like things so like if you are a skater they do try to encourage you to do some dancing and stuff and you use other muscles it's like crossing you know the bridge between um, something that you might take for granted, like the boot and skating. And mm. then you can't take that for granted in ballet. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Was that, was that something that you were passionate about and that you loved? Or was that something your, your parents kind of steered you into or? No, I loved both. And I couldn't choose. Yeah. I couldn't choose. So honestly, because I did both so much, it actually kind of wrecked my feet a little bit. Really? How so? Well, I had I had a lot of trouble with um, with my skates when I was turning into my senior year of high school, and I, I had a, tons of pads and like moleskin padding for for I had blisters like across my pinky toes and big toe around. Um, I also had a bunion, so that didn't help a lot of things. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I had a lot of, I had a lot of issues, feet issues, <laughs> but you loved it. You loved yes, What I did, did you love most about it? The competition, the preparation? I, the yeah, event. I liked all of that. Um, you know, I, I was always a dancer. I had to let go a lot of things to stick with those two things toward my high school years. 
I was in um, just a lot of different dances. So when you are in a studio, you know, you could choose what else you want to do. If you want to tap dance, jazz, or do something else for fun. And I would say most of those other things were for fun. Mm -hmm. But I was always like in a spotlight kind of. Yeah. And I think I liked all of that. I, even though most of those were like, okay, you're performing, you know, you didn't really have to like present yeah right. vocally or anything yeah so uh i don't know i never thought about that that much but i was also in band which was a competitive band as well like uh i was in color guard so that was another dancing thing really yeah and i joined because all my friends were in band this was a huge band like, where was this in southgate got it mm-hmm. yeah and be- years prior to that like beforehand i had friends that had older brothers or sisters and com- it was a competitive van- band and wow. that, yeah. So it went to States, you know, drumline was the best. And so, yeah, it wasn't just like, oh, you were in band, huh? And it's yeah. like, yeah, I was in band, but yeah. <laughs> this was serious. Yeah. <laughs> this was serious time. Yeah. Okay. So you, so this dedication, yeah. this hard work, this playing through the pain. Yeah. You, this was something you learned at a young age. Yeah, I guess you're right. But the, the, but for a certain gratification that was, um, you know, happy, you, you get happiness and enjoyment from the, uh, the end result of all of that hard work. Right. Right. Yeah. And I had parents that kept a level headed mind too. It wasn't like, okay, we'll keep skating until your foot falls off because we've got, you know, States or something coming mm-hmm. up. It, it wasn't like that. They, they knew too, that this, this was for fun, but it's also building skills. So yeah, they paid a lot of money for ice time, costumes, skates, all the things, mm-hmm. but it still, I think gave you this like, um, you know, drilled in, you know, you're building skills, but you're getting exercise, you know, you're, you're, you're athletic, you're getting all this in instilled. Yeah, right. So, yeah. um, but yeah, at the same time it was like, okay, well the balance is that, you know, this is, this is still for fun. Like you're not going to the Olympics. Yeah. Sorry to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I was fine with that. I mean, at one point I think I wanted to. And I was like, wow, that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. But see, this is the kind of what we're talking about now is what helps people understand the connective tissue that brought you to where you are with with Luna Moon and what you're yeah. doing with with stand up paddle boarding, because um, it's not a it's it's not a um, passive sort of leisurely activity. It takes a certain right. amount of dedication and uh, perseverance and um but what now what skills would you say you brought forward is it your sense of balance your sense of uh, discipline day over day that was instilled in you when you were young doing that that you brought forward to this yeah sure I would say I would say all of those things I mean it for me to to bridge the gap was that you know I I'm supposed to go to college, you know, so I did that and I liked it with building things with your hands and, you know, all of that. But I, I didn't love the computer work, but honestly, when I was in school, we didn't do a ton of computer work. And now you went to CCS. Yeah. Correct. Right. And you graduated with a degree in industrial design. Right. And for those listeners who don't know, CCS is a very prestigious mm-hmm. um, creative school, school. Yeah. center for creative studies in in Detroit. Mm-hmm. What what led you to did you always know you were going to go to? That's something? another thing I kind of was always drawn. Even though I was doing all this um, activity, I was still drawing and sketching and doing other art projects, mainly mainly sketching or drawing, but or painting of some sort, but. CCS was brought to my attention too as a young kid mm-hmm. because our high school did not really promote that school. They were promoting other schools. Right. And what was helpful is we weren't far from CCS. Mm. So I didn't have to live on campus. Mm, I say. Yeah. And I knew where it was at. I got to visit there. I actually knew someone else that had went there. So I got to see like artwork and stuff from him going there. And that's actually a whole nother ball of story. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) of who that was and and even the tie with Jeremy. But yeah, I I just knew of CCS. And so that was kept on my radar. And I... 
like I said, the high school had other schools, but I just, I was not, I, that, that did not draw my attention. Mm-hmm. Whatever they were presenting did not draw my attention. They actually brought someone in from, I think, Pittsburgh to our school yeah. for art. Okay. And I was like, well, I, we can go there because I, someone from CCS didn't show up and present. Yeah. So they didn't come. These people came and that's who the school brought in. Mm-hmm. So now I have all this pamphlets and stuff and I bring home and my parents are like, are you crazy? We are not going to Pittsburgh <laughs> for what? And they're like, who, what school is this? Because, it, you know, almost like this is a joker school or something because we know we have CCS in our backyard and you're going to go there. Right. So the only thing that I didn't like, but it all makes sense now is I went to community college first before I went to CCS. Yeah. So, but every single one of my classes transferred into that school. Mm -hmm. So I guess they saved a lot of money by that. (laughs) Well, and you, but you, you loved that school. You enjoyed that experience. And your first job out of school was in automotive here. Is that right? Or did you? No, I, no, I did automotive in, uh, in Delaware, <laughs> which is, that's a whole nother funny story. So yeah. Okay. You, yeah, you won't, you would not believe that one. Well, I think we have to hear it after that <laughs> setup. My goodness. Oh, well, okay. So I was, um, I mean, we did, like I said, have some computer work, especially toward the end of when I was graduating, not so much in the beginning. But 3D modeling, I really got, I really gravitated toward uh, 3D modeling mm-hmm. and became pretty good at it. So a lot of times we would make a model, but we'd also do a digital model and color it up different ways and just present it like, oh, you know, you could do, like one time I did a playscape type of thing and was, you know, experimenting with different materials and stuff. So when you're there, you're really doing like a lot of research when we were there anyways. I, I'm, I'm not sure exactly what, what, how they do everything now. Yeah. But I was like with that 3D modeling and that and the lighting and, and the way you, you know, present it and, and print out photos and stuff of, of your work. I uh, got a call for um, in Delaware, Dover, Delaware. Mm-hmm. Are you ready for this? Yeah, <laughs> right, we're all we're all ready. So I worked for NASCAR for a few years because of the 3D modeling. So cars, um, they actually had a little mascot. Yeah. He was called um, the Monster, as they used to call that track Monster Mile. It's a mile track, but they they used to say that, you know, that the monster was the the concrete who eat these cars. So there was all this, (laughs) like, you know, kind of advertising, marketing, like fun stuff going on. And I was like, well, yeah, I can do that. That's no problem at all. Yeah. Well, it, it saved them a ton of money because they were outsourcing all of it. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> so I landed NASCAR. That's <laughs> uh, fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I I didn't mind it. I mean, very fun group, <laughs> if you can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So fun. Yeah, it was a fun job. Um, but, you know, a lot of hard work with um, just the deadlines for prints and, you know, they had at the time two track or two uh races a year two full weekends mm-hmm. of stuff so mm-hmm. yeah that's uh it's really interesting that because that connects back to sort of the figure skating and uh dancing in terms of you're you're focused in an area that where competition is at the center of everything that's yeah, happening that is kind of funny yeah right yeah yeah so and yeah. uh i can only imagine that you were under some serious deadlines and you were with some people who were focused on working hard and playing hard. Yes, very much so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, and a lot of it was, uh, too, was uh, selling. So, uh, you know, it's a big event. They try to get as many sponsors as they can. So that's why when you, you know, you see cars, it's like they plastered corporate all over it. But it's big money. Yeah. You right. know, you kind of can't blame them. So there's always that, you know, debate or argument of going on and stuff and just uh, listening to really passionate fans. Yeah. Yeah. But you were one of them. It sounds like you're, you're like self-conscious, but you're really not right. You're, you're worried about you're thinking about what somebody else thinks of it. You had fun. It, sure. Yeah. You, you loved it. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, I so I was the last or the youngest even to be um, in the design department there hired in. Uh, I worked with, well, of course, a lot of guys. I went to school with a lot of guys, too. So whatever. You know, um, but uh, I did a car wrap and a trailer wrap, and then um, they did made little die casts and stuff. And like, 
I mean, it was my my art, like my stuff. So I was like, you know, they weren't they were not very schooled. They didn't come from very high end. Yeah, you catch catch my drift. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I uh, it's, so it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. You were popular in school, I bet. Um, I'm trying to think back to the figure skaters I knew, and I I'm not sure they were very they weren't quite the popular kids, but yeah, we were. I wasn't a cheerleader. Um, <laughs> definitely not. That was not me. Um, I guess I was popular enough, you know, mm -hmm. that uh, because with band that was our. That was our network because we knew then, you know, people that were seniors or juniors, freshmen, whatever. We all hung out. We didn't, uh, we didn't say, oh, they're just juniors. Did you go? You, did you go sailing out there? Were you on boats? Were you fishing? Were you on the water? Uh, no, I did not. I did not. I didn't do any of that. Nope. Mm -mm. So you came back to Michigan. Yeah. And uh, you settled in this area. Mm -hmm. I'm. I'm trying to figure out when the moment came that you discovered this stand-up paddle boarding and yeah. how, how you how you arrived there well so because i'm already a water person and drawn to it mm -hmm. i there was a couple trips uh that i had been to uh one was in hawaii and i think that was the very first time that i had saw it mm -hmm. and of course i was you know just like any other midwest paddler they think especially back then that that was just a Hawaii thing, maybe a West coast thing. And, um, like I said, I don't know if I really remember seeing it in Delaware, I, the kiteboarding. Yes. I saw that, uh, some, some really cool sea kayaks and stuff, trying to make it over the break of the waves and stuff. But the paddleboarding, it was just, um, something you saw on TV or, or YouTube or something. And, and, then when we moved here, everything just kind of fell together, yeah. which was like 10 years ago. Yeah. And I saw boards in an outfitter here. And I thought, uh oh, those are the boards that I've always, you know, it's like a big giant surfboard. Yeah, right. So I did some more research on it and everything and bought my first board, watched YouTube videos like constantly and constantly about wakeboarding too because now being here you can wakeboard because mm -hmm. some people well if you have some friends we don't have a wakeboard boat but uh you know you can get out there right yeah. well i was like became obsessed even with that so i bought my first board and then i bought another board after that which was a smaller um paddleboard so this would be your smallest type of paddleboard it's an it's eight foot mm -hmm. but it, you could wake surf it or surf it. So it would be a, a bigger surfboard, but a smaller stand-up paddleboard. So it's so, so versatile. Were, so were you going out by yourself or did you belong, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah, I did. When I would come home from work, I would just go and paddleboard every day. And then I would, all they did was talk about it at work. <laughs> <laughs> what was it that you were, what what was that doing for you at that time? What what did it, what was it? What were you discovering in that, that time you were spending on the water that? I think at that point it was freedom. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're in a corporate environment and then if you're also kind of being pinned to a, a computer and doing a lot of computer work, you just want to get away from it. Yeah. You know, and I think that that was the biggest thing for me. But it, it also, it, it when you finally do get some friends that want to join you and, mm -hmm. you know, you teach them how to do it, then you know you get out there and it's like you know inner child is let out and you'd start thinking about other things or talking about other things um you know thinking about their adventures even like just diving off of it mm -hmm. and that's the sense of freedom in that too mm -hmm. and it was you know and then it's also athletic so it's like i have i my next I, my few next boards was a race board yeah Oh. And uh, I just went out and like trained on that board every, every day. And I can remember one time at one of the beaches here, I had the board and it was like May. So people were putting docks in and stuff. Mm -hmm. One guy saw me running from the street. And then, you know, you go belly on, on, belly on the board, like surfer style and like paddle with your arms or whatever. Right. And he's like, why do you keep doing that? I was like, oh, I'm in a race coming up soon. And it's actually a triathlon. So you run, bike, and then paddle. So your paddle, your board's going to be kind of there at the uh, water's edge. Mm -hmm. But
but it's, you can't put the paddle or you can't put the board in right away because it's a, like a beach. It's shallow. The fin's going to hit. So you run with the board and then you just like slide on it. You have the paddle. You pop up and start paddling as fast as you can. <laughs> so yeah, I think some the lunatic out here like, <laughs> what is she doing with this board? Yeah. But there's purpose. Yeah. Not everybody knows. The purpose is the training for the race? Yeah. Well, at that time, yeah. Yeah. With that, that with, you know, when he was asking me anyways, like, what are you doing? What is going on over here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I guess you don't see that that often, but uh, yeah. So. Well, the, uh, so, you know, it's, a, it's that individual. It's funny because it's not, it's not a team sport. It's an individual um, yeah. competition. You're competing to improve yourself and get better. Unless you have a relay race, maybe you have a team then. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Which I still want to do here. Yeah? Yeah. That would be fun. You want, right, so what's next for on that front then, the relay race? The what's, relay race. Well, you, you set up some little like uh, buoys. Yeah. And either, or I have the yoga pod. There's that that situation too, mm-hmm. where maybe someone's standing on the pod and then you guys have to, you have to get on the board. So you have to get on the pod, they get on the board and now they run away with maybe a ball or something. I don't know. Got it. Yeah. So this is in the works. This is happening. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I think it should be. <laughs> maybe in the next, I don't know, whenever, next month or so. So I, I keep thinking about this. So I'm brand new to this. And, and when I first got on the board and my legs were shaking, um, you encouraged me you said, um, just get on your feet and then look up and look straight ahead. Mm-hmm. And I took that to mean um, that my body would follow. And that, and I successfully stood up and began paddling and moving. And it was a yeah. kind of a triumphant moment for me. So, you know, I'm enjoying what I've done so far with it. But as I look at the, the sub, the lifestyle, yeah, I'm trying to, um, I feel like, I can't, I, I know it when I see it, but I don't know how to describe it. And, mm-hmm. and I feel like that it's centered around this, um, sort of Zen state that, uh, that you're trying to achieve. Yeah. It's, it's a place you're trying to go in, in your soul. Yeah. And, um, so talk to me a bit about how do you describe the lifestyle and what all, all of that, which it encompasses? Well, so I mean, there's a couple things, I guess. Uh, I think water in general is just naturally like healing. Mm-hmm. So even being in just nature itself. So, I mean, you could you could get the same sort of thing probably from a hike. But I think with water and just like the movement, the natural movement with waves and you just on your board, even if you're just sitting on it, starts to relieve like stress, tension, other things that are on your mind that may be holding you back, sort of. Mm-hmm. But then there's also this this challenge, of course, especially for newbies, that when they get on the board, they might feel a little a little tense about the situation. Okay, am I am I going to stand? Am I going to fall? Right. And I think that's healthy though, because it's. It's like now you're causing other endorphins like in your mind to, you know, of course, for us, like stop looking at a screen. Don't worry about who's texting. You're worrying about now just one movement at a time, Mm -hmm. which might be even hard for people to do that even just in a yoga studio. They they sort of say the same thing in a yoga studio, but I'm not sure anymore. Maybe some, but not everybody to stay focused. Right. Because you really have to focus. Mm -hmm. You're focusing on where are my feet? Where am I looking? Now I have a paddle. I have to move. Yeah. I have to switch sides with the paddle now. When do I know to do that? What if I need to turn? Oh, the, here comes a boat. Okay, now I gotta, I'm going to get the nose of the board toward the waves. So yeah. that, you know, so there's all of these things I think that are playing in your head, but they're very, even though they might seem a little bit stressful, it's still very healthy stress because it's like you're now tracked your mind to think about something else and, and how to move you your body with this board mm-hmm. yeah you know and now now you're challenging your body to to balance use other muscles and now while being on the water in in just seeing other things like a blue sky or a sunset or a, a duck mm-hmm. any of these things that like it's like nature's rx right that right. just like okay i'm not sitting in a car i'm not like Looking at a screen, like I said, yeah, all these I, things. And I equate it to still being a newbie, but 
I like the feeling I get when I'm on my my Triumph motorcycle going down a, a twisty road or um, I'm also, a, I go fly fishing. So yeah. and just in order to be able to tie a fly or cast into a, a current, yeah. um, you, you sort of have to free your mind of everything else. And there's a, there's like this euphoria that comes with that. Mm-hmm. The lifting of all of the baggage that we're all carrying day in and day out, whether it's work or relationships or whatever it is. Right. So, yeah. but that state of mind, it seems like it translates, like you're not stand up paddleboard misty and then you become this lunatic uh, carrying out other things. Like it, it translates for you into how you exercise or how you eat Mm-hmm. Or the other kind of recreational activities. You, you, that's you yeah, do, right. Yeah, that's that. That's true too. Um, maybe it's a mindful kind of choices. Um, I mean, like for instance, the the lip balms. Right. I yeah. I chose that, and I made I created that recipe because. Well, first of all, I have problem. I, I usually have problems, especially in this with the sun. And being out in, outside in the sun and they get dry sometimes break out whatever um so store stuff for me was like not working it was like okay this is this doesn't work for me I need my own thing and I figured out my own thing mm-hmm. and um that's just that whole like okay just just you know answer the answer what needs to be fixed mm-hmm. so if it's like like I said, the recipe itself I just created and based on what I would work for me and, you know. And you make that. I mean, we've yeah. all seen the videos of you actually pouring yeah. from the hot pan of, of wax into the tube and mm-hmm. so on that you've sourced and designed. Yeah. So that's yeah. a that's a very handmade yeah. um, output that, that carries your brand forward. It's tied into who you are and what you do, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah, I would like to mass produce a little bit more, mm-hmm. but you know, time will come, I guess. Yeah, then that's the trouble with scaling a brand that's so rooted in that um, that sort of ethos is that as you scale, the the handmade nature of it kind of diminishes a little bit out of necessity. But so the the challenge becomes true maintaining the 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 core brand while scaling up, right? Yeah, that is true. So, and in your podcast with uh, our neighbor and friend, Lisa. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. You talked a lot about, now you're a vegan, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. And um, so you make healthy lifestyle choices in terms of how you eat and what you eat. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you you have um, recipes or dietary advice for folks who are looking to embrace and embody this lifestyle? Well... I don't have a lot of recipes. I, I've I've tried a lot of things. Lisa's very good at cooking and being in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And you, me, I'd rather be paddleboarding. So, <laughs> <laughs> and it's very hard to have all of the worlds, you know, be together. But, um, yeah, I, uh, I'm not a huge cook, really. But I do know a lot about just... Um, you know, seasoning and just things like that, that kind of like help with, uh, some of the vegan choices, I guess. I've learned a lot from just vegan friends too, that, that do things. And I, you know, even if it's like a smoothie or something like that, that what you can add to it and, and things. So, um, I love salads, you know, it's, um, it's my go-to really. Yeah. 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 A lot of salads. Um, I've seen you, by the way, I've seen you jump rope on a paddleboard. Yeah. I was on the phone with you one day and you, you told me you were calling paddle. from the paddle. Yeah. Maybe there could be a dining on the paddleboard. That is so funny because the girl on the last podcast, she goes, there's Megalodon paddleboards. <laughs> okay. They're huge. So for Father's Day, she put together two seats, a small table, Brought the dog on the paddleboard and they had sushi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. I know. And I, and she goes, this might be a new thing. And I'm like, wow, I never thought of that. Oh my gosh. Two, two podcasts in a row. It's been mentioned. It must be. <laughs> right. It's crazy. So I don't know. I don't have, a, I don't have the Megalodon paddleboard, but yeah. maybe one day. 
Well, so when you and I were out, I noticed you're always picking up trash that you see in the lake. Yeah, that's another thing. Yeah. Yeah. When you say another thing, that's like another, that's <laughs> like, if you're going to embody this lifestyle, that uh, right. environmental consciousness and caring is part of it. Yeah. Yes. You kind of can't help it. At least I can't, you know, want to try to grab what you can. Some of it's hard to get. It's almost like you have to make it a Pacific paddle to do that. Mm-hmm. If it's like small pieces, like in the canal, our lake is very clean. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, considering other people that I've seen, uh, especially on Instagram and stuff and where they paddle or what they pick up if right. they document it. Yeah. yeah. That's become kind of more of a thing. And I have some friends that, uh, that's their mission. That's their nonprofit. Mm-hmm. So one actually is in Northern Michigan and she's trying to do a 1 million trash pickup. Mm-hmm. So I've, I put Sylvan Lake in there and my numbers are pretty small. I don't have a ton of uh, things, but she says every piece counts. So I've made it so that, okay, each week I'll just document in there because it's not like I'm finding 50 pieces of things, toys or you know, I mean, there's some you see, you're like, wow, they pulled that out of the, yeah. you know, we're, we're a little on the fortunate side as far as just seeing, you know, maybe something that just flew out of someone's boat. I lost some sunglasses about a year ago. They're black. They're Ray-Bans. Yeah. If you see them. I'll let you know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know that we're, we're also looking for a hat yeah. and a um, hundred dollar bill. Oh, good. Yeah. So I'll, uh, I'll put it at the list. <laughs> So how do you, how do you then reconcile? Cause we've got on our lake, it's an all sports lake here in right. Sylvan Lake. So you do have the wakeboard boats that are out. Um, and, um, you also have the party barges that are out with people, uh, drinking and throwing beer cans in the lake and all of that sort yes. of thing. So how, where, how do you reconcile those two things with, with your lifestyle? And you, you would wakeboard. Yes. You've been. Oh yeah. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I can't help it. Mm-hmm. Um, the pontoon boat thing. I mean, like the party barge, mm-hmm. the floating living room. Yeah. I, Hey, we have friends that have them and it, they are so nice to be on sometimes just to lounge around mm-hmm. yeah. and, and enjoy that, that other side of lake life. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, I mean, because we have, we have a Chris craft. So it's like a sports car. It's like the Camaro. You're sitting so low. Mm-hmm. I love it though. I can throw up my arm, get wet from the from the waves and stuff. Oh gosh, yeah. And and be in the back and even get splashed if the wind is just right. Right. You don't get none of those on the pontoon boat, really. Right. And uh, but then the wakeboard boat's completely different, super sporty, and it's similar to the Chris Craft in a way. It's just a bigger boat and throws a bigger wake. So do you see like? Um you know, I used to, I think I went down on a Rifle River canoe trip at one point and it was yeah. a circus with people drinking, drinking and dropping their, well, I, you know, the drinking is one thing, but when you're done with the beer and you crumple it up and throw it into the river, oh, I always feel no. like, well, you're missing the point. You're missing the point of all of this. It's to yeah. be out here. You're taking here. advantage of the, the situation. Yeah. And the point is to and be in touch with nature and yourself and... And, uh, we, we've talked about this on the podcast too, with several other people and that like, you know, intentional is one thing, you know, intentional and knowing that you did it, Mm -hmm. like you deliberately did it. Yeah. It's so different Yeah, by an accident, Mm -hmm. an accident, like the wind, I mean, you try to do your, your best, you know, and, and, um, it's not that you're even not paying attention. Maybe mm-hmm. it, it's just that you didn't realize, Oh wow, the wind just picked up. Yeah. You know, but if you pick up, you try to pick up, right. Even if maybe, maybe you didn't catch that piece of trash, but guess what? I caught my neighbors over here like right. yesterday. Yeah. I, I don't know. It, it's, it's, it's a hard, it's a hard thing. You know, I like even the other yesterday, actually, it looked like a floating, um, well, it was partially floating. It was, it was, kind of in the water and I didn't I didn't have my grabber yesterday (laughs) I have the grabber the squeeze grabber and I didn't have it yesterday uh I was running around so much and just forgot it at home and we're paddling I was like oh I could grab that well yeah then I like I the way I turned the board around I kind of swung over it 
and I it sunk a little more. Oh. <laughs> yeah. But oh. the other day before that, I was able to grab a beer can that was sunk down. It was shallow enough where I could put my whole arm in with the grabber and grab the beer can. Nice. So, you know, there's there's... There's hits and there's misses. Do you save them? Do you take them back to Kroger and get the 10 cents? Well, we'll see if that one scans. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because sometimes those machines, they, they say, nope, can't yeah. read the barcode. <laughs> yeah. So if I, so as we're talking, if I had to describe the, the Luna Moon brand, the, the lifestyle to somebody, what it mm-hmm. kind of what it stands for, it's so much more than just standing up on a paddleboard and getting great exercise. Totally, that's, yeah. That's at the core of it, but it's also... It's an eco-conscious approach. It's right. um, it's it's um healthy, take care of your body approach to your life. It's it's finding an inner peace and in, in your mind and your soul. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, and yep. and combined with this sort of like toughness and individual accomplishment and challenge that's required. Right. So and and you can kind of. Uh, that, and, and the reward comes from kind of hitting on all of those things. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it sounds like it for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, the lip balms, I mean, I have plastic metal tins and eco tubes. I would love to keep just the eco tubes, Yeah, but I keep it open as well. You know, that there's, there's some that still want a plastic tube and I get it, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's easier. Sometimes it's easier. Mm-hmm. Uh, the plastic, it doesn't get. A smudge on it you know and the cardboard craft uh tube does yeah some don't mind that they they that's okay <laughs> it's it is what it is so, so so let me ask you this so where are you where are you going with this <laughs> where am i going with this? where are you going with all of this yeah you know that's what like... you said you used the word earlier lunatic and i don't think that's the right word but you you are um everybody you know again for the listeners who are not in this neighborhood of sylvan lake Everybody knows Misty, and if when your name comes up, people will say, "Yeah, I saw Misty. Just saw Misty this morning. She was pedaling away, had four paddle boards trailed behind her. Or mm-hmm. I saw her on the lake, and it's like you're you're dedicated. You're you're yeah. you're passionate, and it's remarkable. And so, I mean, what is your what's your vision for what you're doing with Luna Moon? I mean, here in the community, here in your neighborhood of Sylvan Lake, but also um, you know, globally, like right. what, what, what's your vision? Where are you going with this? Well, <laughs> I guess if I had to just go ahead and just dream big and not even like think of the how, why, and well, how does that work? Because they say you shouldn't do any of that stuff anyways. So that aside, I would think that it would, it would just become, it would just grow and become something much bigger with even just branding of if it's a sup apparel, but I don't, I don't want to be just sup apparel. Like, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to evolve and say, Oh, we don't do that anymore. You know, I still want people to get on boards and, you know, not worry really what they're about, about what they're wearing style wise. So it's, it's very twofold on how I guess I kind of envision this, uh, for me, you know, I, I want to see more people be able to, to teach it, and, but be certified, uh, uh-huh. you know, and not just teach it because you like yoga. Uh, I love yoga, but uh-huh. for me, both worlds came together. I didn't just grab a paddleboard because, wow, cool, people are doing yoga on a board. Uh, I wanted to make sure that I was certified, that I knew what I was doing. People trusted me. And of course, the safety aspect, because you are taking them out on water. So I have a big, I have a big message about that because that's, I keep that like close to me mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just like telling it all, I guess. Yeah. And there's other people that have that vision too, but you know, I just recently got certified so that I can teach teachers. So oh, that's cool. yeah. And I actually, I have one, um, and I have an event in August just with two other people, but they're coming here and they're traveling here and they're going to get certified. But the people that wanted me to get into the certification has, has a high standard. I was interviewed for it. Uh, they saw all my pictures, my YouTube, 
everything that I was already putting out there that held with the old, the whole sub community. Mm-hmm. And part of it is, yeah, eco, nature, uh, you know, leave it how you found it type of statement. Right, yeah. And um, so they weren't going to just hand this over to, to anyone. Mm-hmm. So if I, if I had to be held to that standard, mm-hmm. what about someone else? Yeah. So I, you know, and not to shame anybody, definitely not. You know, there's always, we're all learning. I will say that all the time. We're always evolving, learning, Mm -hmm. you know, but as far as the big picture, I don't know if I can exactly put my pinpoint on it. Yeah. And I don't mean to put you on the spot and ask you to do that either, but I do sense that you, you're bringing, um, to a community that otherwise, um, uh, lacks uh, a means of connecting with the water in a way that's really healthy. Right. And I, the way I see the, what you're saying, the yeah. impact I see you having on the community is um, you're helping people to lead a healthier lifestyle in a way that um, is connecting with the lake and yeah. our, our beautiful surroundings in a, in a really incredible way. I mean, that's, that's a pretty um, significant uh, goal and journey, right? Yeah, maybe that's because it wasn't offered before. Yeah, yeah, I think that's probably exactly it. That could be it. Has anybody tried to dissuade you? Has anybody come back to you and said, what what are you doing? Go back to work. No, (laughs) not at all. Not a one. Nope, not to my face. Yeah. Do you ever, do you have moments of self-doubt? Do you have those times where you you think, what am I doing? Yes, I mean- I will say that, what am I doing all of the time? Mm-hmm. Because this is not easy. I'm sure any entrepreneurial, actually any entrepreneurial that I've talked to has said the same thing. Mm-hmm. But they know that what they're doing is what they love. And you know, just because there's a down moment or that self-doubt, yeah, it usually goes away. Uh, it does for me. I, I think that when that happens, for me anyways, because this is seasonal, so I, I, when I was a kid, even I did not do well with winter and that's, you know, probably why I gravitated so much to ice skating. Cause that's even seasonal unless you, you know, take your summer lessons, private lessons. Right. Uh, which I had those too, but, uh, I'm just thinking as far as going back in time, like I always, I always had that seasonal problem, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, I mean, Michigan gets pretty gray. Yeah. You know, we, we don't. We're lucky if we can get it to last until about November ish, mm-hmm. and then be able to come out in April or March. Yeah, but then you can do all the training and prep in the off season. And you yeah, that's what I do. That's yeah. really what I do. And then this year with the podcast, it kept my mind occupied. I talked to so many other paddleboarders mm-hmm. and people that you know have the same sort of seasonal thing going on, and we just kind of dreamed. Yeah. You know, we dreamed about the season. We would talk about last season and other students and mm-hmm. what, you know, whatever the case may be. And I think that really helped yep. a lot. So, well, I, and I go back to, I, I think you and I talked about this off the air, which was, you know, the, the movie, uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, where, uh, Richard Dreyfus is building this pile of mud thing in his living room yeah he just doesn't know why and he's just compelled (laughs) to do it and he's destroying his landscaping and yeah mother and the children leave and so on i see that like to do what you're doing with your brand yeah it take you've got that same sort of singular focus of uh, almost like i'm not i'm not exactly sure why i'm doing this but i know that i'm driven to do it and so i believe in myself enough to know that for whatever reason I'm doing it, it's the right thing that I need to be doing now in my life. Yeah. And, um, I, I still think that's a really inspiring and empowering, uh, philosophy. Other people wish they could do that. I think everybody secretly has something where they, they wish that they could just drop everything else and just dedicate their life to this one thing. Right. And see, and watching you do Watching you do that and the way you're doing that, I think, is one of the most valuable outputs of of what you're doing for the people in your circle, you know? Yeah. There's three words that I use, and I don't call it a tagline. It's not on a shirt or a hat or anything. 
but I use it sometimes on social media for pictures. It's, it says connect, explore, and experience. Mm-hmm. So the connection being like a sub community mm-hmm. and whether a lot of people, because they're newbies, they're not, they're not already sub people coming to me. They don't, I don't think they know that, but it's happening. Mm-hmm. And it happened a lot last year. And even the last two nights out here, People are like, I'm going to get your number. I want to know when you're coming to class next time. And I'm like, I just observe it. I'm like, I don't say anything. Right. I'm watching them exchange numbers, walk away to their car, right. talking, wanting to know when they can come back to class. So, yeah, that was, I think, the biggest thing for me because sitting behind a computer and building flashy models is not really connecting anybody. I'm sorry. Right, yeah. In my eyes. Yeah. I mean, not to degrade that. I'm just saying that. I didn't feel being behind a computer was a connection. Yeah. And on the explorer aspect, but the, the uh, by definition, the inflatable uh, stand-up paddleboard is, it's designed to allow you to travel and see right. other places and other people. Yeah. Um, I love the one that I bought from you, by the way. Awesome. And it, it's a fantastic package that, that, um, that I bought. And what's great is you can fly with it. Oh, I hadn't even thought about it. Oh, yeah. The bag has wheels. You yeah. just fly with it. I mean, my friends that came in and uh, they were on the podcast, Live Love Sup, her, Jen, mm-hmm. uh, she just came in and they brought their inflatables. They did a race. They came out to Sylvan Lake and paddled with me. She's going to be back. And mm-hmm. yeah, so talk about just exploring other waterways, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. And we're in the one of the canals and, you know, and they're very worldly. They've been like all over the place. But we're in northern Michigan. I don't know why this would, thought would come up. But yeah. in the back canal, there's a house that has the lift, and they threw in one of those fake crocodile heads. Oh, nice. And he could see it. Like, we're approaching it. She did not see it. He could see it. And I'm over there kind of like, let's see what he says. You know, like, I wasn't going to say anything because I knew what he was looking at. Yeah. He's like, what? He kept kind of saying, what is, what is that? is there something what is that so we keep approaching it he's like oh oh like he kind of said like a little bit more and and then she started laughing and she goes are you serious we're in northern michigan did you really think that that was real and i said notice how i said nothing (laughs) so it's just fun with things like that you know yeah like you came across that you didn't know you were gonna see it Mm -hmm. you didn't know what to expect yeah and that's just an example by the way, as we're talking in the background, you might hear Luna kind of. <laughs> She's had enough of us. Yeah. Squealing <laughs> and barking behind the door. Tell me about Luna. How, Luna, yeah. how does she factor into. Um, She's a the big brand? factor of it. It wasn't me just naming my dog or the dog, either way, if you want to look at it, the company or the dog. Yeah. Uh, she, when she was really little, so I had a, I had sort of like a, a used board. I bought used and, uh, I would let her play on it in the grass. And then it kind of became when she got a little bit bigger, getting her to train and sit on it and then get her the idea that you can hop on it and then sit down. And here I'm sitting on it with you now. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of times how I do beginner classes. Even I did one today. Still some, some older ladies yeah. in the neighborhood mm-hmm. who are super cute. They want to know how they're super curious but they're like, oh, I don't know. I got my knees and this. And, you know, so we are in the grass. And today was super windy, so it was even a great day to be on the grass learning right. about paddling. We, I even put them on the dock, and they did some paddle strokes in the water, like pretending they're being on a paddle board. Right. Anyway, with Luna, uh, I took the board to the water then. Mm-hmm. And I let her know that this is, you know, this is where this thing goes in the water and you know so she kind of like stepped in the water got on the board you kind of repeat the whole process and then the next step the next phase was to get the board actually floating in the water mm-hmm. and have her be on it and at that point she got a little bit bigger so she's a little she is a little bit more on the fortunate side that she started learning this as a puppy and she wasn't you know an older dog trying to learn this right but uh, we did that she started understanding what was going on and then I had, then I finally took her out, mm-hmm. you know, and at the same time I was 
teaching some other people how to paddleboard and I was getting my yoga certification and to do that, you need your certification to get your SUP certification. Mm -hmm. So all of this was happening like at the same time, as well as even creating a, a lip balm, this, this recipe. And I had a friend, I would bounce all of this stuff off of, she was another water, water baby from California. And while she was here, uh, cause she moved back. Uh, we would, we, she would brainstorm with me and she loved Luna and, you know, the whole lip balm thing and being on a paddleboard. So, uh, yeah, I miss, I miss having her around for sure, you know, but, um, she's, I, I would count her as a very core piece too, but you know, Luna just taking on to a paddleboard and we're taking pictures now. And like I said, this whole thing kind of like developing together as a whole mm-hmm. and moving forward. Uh, we started sketching like logos and things. And it was like, Oh no, it's Luna doing the down, the downward dog, <laughs> you know, like her butt up in the air and stretched right. out. And then that was the logo. Yeah. So yeah, that's how it kind of unfolded. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So it's fun. Yeah. And in this neighborhood, everybody has a dog. And now I'm going to have to figure out how to get my Llewellyn Setter Ranger up on the board. Right. And as soon as I'm stable, perhaps. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> start start there first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I might have to start on the grass with the pup. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yeah. Well, thanks for this. Yeah, um, thank you. I appreciate it. I really enjoyed this. I'm sure your your audience has enjoyed this too because uh, everybody's wanting to understand the the person behind this brand and and um, and everything you're doing for this community is fantastic. So, well, I really appreciate the opportunity to spill the beans. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Who is this mystery woman riding around the neighborhood that's with these a, boards? That's right. <laughs> The secret's out now. The secret's out now for sure. Yeah. Oh my gosh. All right. Well, thank you. Let's have a good 4th of July. Yep. All right. Awesome. Thanks. That's the show, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Graham, hearing all about Luna Moon and the story. Uh, really appreciate i just want to show my gratitude and recognition for the amount of support that i feel behind me that like wave on rush i love that analogy and we have another episode coming up 32 next week so be sure to tune into that one this one you may want to watch the youtube version if you want to watch a little bit of video with this episode it'll be on the luna moon channel and be sure to hit subscribe And that will uh, keep you up to date, of course. So lunamoonshpyoga.com. Go there if you're in the area of Sylvan Lake, Michigan, and you may have purchased a new board and you want some guidance. Uh, If you want to just come out and have fun, get in the water. Uh, We have plenty of classes and events, so be sure to check them out. Uh, Thanks again. Tuning in. I'm Misty. Next week, episode 32.